What's going on, people? It's, uh, what is it? Sunday afternoon, 1.38 in the afternoon. Just finished up the podcast. Uh, I, you know, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good lately. I, uh, you know, I, I was sick recently and, uh, you know, had the flu. Fucked up my life a little bit. Fucked up a potential relationship recently, so that's always a good time. I uh, decided that, you know, take a break from the boozing, you know? Take a break. You know, give myself and my liver and my, my, my organs maybe a little bit of a cleanse and uh so put the booze on the shelf a little bit which uh you know for those of you who know me and those of you who may not know me or just listen to the podcast the booze is something that i do unfortunately struggle with it's uh kind of a crutch and you know you use it to celebrate and then use it to wallow so (laughs) it's something uh you know something that i struggle with and um you know it's been about a week now and feeling pretty good feeling energetic the house has never been this clean so I, i i you know try to focus all my energy on ACCBR and, you know, 90% of it. And then I'll, I'll, you know, slap the sign as well and, and try to make this the best product it can be. I'm, I'm, you know, kind of, I've made some friends in the business and, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to, uh, throw some ideas together and it's kind of an exciting time right now. And hold on a second guy, get God, give me five minutes. Yeah, okay, or just keep banging your head on the bottom of the desk. That's my dog, by the way, not some weird male hooker. But uh, <clears throat> Turkey apparently wants to go for his afternoon walk, and I can't have 10 minutes to do the intro to this. So anyway, uh, you know, house has never been this clean. I've got clean dishes. And instead of taking them out of the dishwasher whenever I make a meal, they're actually in the cabinet. It's crazy. I was able to watch all six games yesterday, which is crazy. And I remember them all, which is even crazier. So good times right now, um, you know, uh, you know, that's a little peek inside the life of Peacone. So, you know, things are good right now. And that'll be reflected by the intro song today, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, I do want to plug real quick, obviously, slapthesign.com for my Notre Dame fans, gtswarm.com for any uh, pre-game previews for the Yellow Jackets, as well as some uh, good information on the message board as well. ACCBasketballReport.com for Charlie and uh, his picks against Ken Palm and the spread and, and betting trends and things like that. He's been uh, a great addition to the ACCBR um, product, I would say. Uh, sorry, I'm a little bit distracted. I got BC and Florida State here in Chestnut Hill. Boston College has come all the way back. They're actually winning 61 to 56 right now. But, uh, you know, check us out. Uh, I've, I've rededicated myself to doing this. And hopefully, uh, you know, the product gets better and we move forward. Uh, check out uh, the Rockin' 25 poll that I do with Sean Dillon and Eric Haslam and uh, Connor Hope, Brad Cavallero, Kevin Sweeney, Lucas Harkins, um, you know, all uh, Adam Glasdick. I, I, I know I just fucked up his name, butchered it completely, but, you know, all really good independents, all guys that know their shit about college basketball. Um you know, Tony Patelis used to be involved, and I don't know what I did to Tony, but apparently, I don't know, it was something, but we don't talk anymore, we don't interact anymore, and I've sent him a couple DMs, and I don't know what's going on, but T, if you listen to this, reach out to me, let's uh, let's talk about it, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, things, things are good, and, uh, you know, we're back to the usual show this week. And, you know, I hope you guys, you know, hope the new year is treating you well. Hope the month of January is going just how you'd like. I know that I would like to get my taxes and my tax return done and back as soon as possible. And this fucking government shutdown is going to fuck with my money. I don't like it. But anyway, 
enough about me. Let's talk about you. I am Michael Hunter. This has been, or this is, it hasn't been, this, this will be the ACC Basketball Report. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. This is episode number 52. I am Michael Hunter at Pecone36 on Twitter, accbasketballreport.com. Again, episode number 52. Um, jumping right into some injuries and notes this week. Jawan Durham missed yesterday's game for Notre Dame with an ankle injury. Uh, he's expected to be out a couple of weeks according to the broadcast. That was from uh, from Bobby Cremens yesterday during the game. Um, speaking of Bobby Cremens, Georgia Tech was out with a trio of guys yesterday at a home game against Louisville. Jose Alvarado missed yesterday's game with a groin injury that he sustained in the... Whatever the third, oh, in the Clemson game, right at the very end of the game, I guess he was seen as fairly uncomfortable. Thought he was going to give it a go, uh, you know, went through warmups a little bit, was kind of, was on the court, kind of messing around before the game, but ultimately did not make it. Uh, kind of unclear how, you know, how long he'll actually be out. Certainly, uh, as a Georgia Tech fan, I hope it is, you know, a, a quick rehabilitation on that because without him g-tech is pretty lost uh ad gay brandon alston also missed yesterday's game gay's been having trouble with some dehydration some cramping issues on the court uh happened in the virginia tech game happened in the clemson game he's also said to be dinged up a little bit with an ankle injury so um not real sure what's going on with him there hold on let me crank this microphone down a little bit because i'm kind of in the red here there we go um and it's still in the red. But uh, anyway, you know, it's said that he could return tomorrow or he could be out the rest of the season. So I don't know if they found some kind of underlying issue w- with AD. But, uh, you know, he's a redshirt senior. So hopefully, you know, he's able to return. That game he had against Syracuse in that kind of zone-busting uh, role against uh, Merrick Dolajai was maybe the best half of basketball I've ever seen AD play in his in his career at, uh, at Georgia Tech. So, you know, as soon as the, guy, the kid puts it together, seemingly, he goes down with a possible career-ending injury, and that would be that would be unfortunate. Uh, Alston's issue is a personal uh, one, I guess. So nothing injury-related as far as I know. He should be back fairly quickly. But, you know, you saw the repercussions of, of missing those three guys, Jose Alvarado especially yesterday in that game. Uh, Markel Johnson was out yesterday for State after that nasty fall that he took uh, a couple games ago. You know, he's still having a little bit of back stiffness. He did make the trip. He did warm up before the game, but ultimately sat out. Uh, He's expected to be back in the next couple games, I believe. Uh, Sterling Manley missed his sixth consecutive game with knee soreness. You know, I'm starting to be a little bit suspicious that uh, there's something else going on here other than just your, your typical soreness, obviously. You know, six games is roughly three weeks. You know, it sounds a whole lot like 
what DJ Harvey was kind of going through last year for Notre Dame. Now, whether or not they're the what's going on is similar, I have no idea. But you know, this is just kind of what happened to Harvey last year is he had a little bit of knee soreness. And it wasn't expected to be much. You know, I think the first thing I think Harvey was actually diagnosed with was a strain or a sprain. And, you know, come in the offseason, he's having microfracture surgery. So, you know, I don't really know what's going on with Manly. You have to be concerned at this point um, if you're if you're a Tar Heel fan. Sorry for the distraction. I've got, uh, I've got the Florida State-Boston College game on the iPad. Right now, Florida State's up 44-31. to I was going to wait till after this game was over to record the podcast, but Florida State was up by... 14, 15 points, and I said, screw it. I got stuff to do today, so I might as well simulcast, I guess. Uh, speaking of Boston College, Winston Tabs did return for Boston College today uh, for the Florida State game. He was in early. I haven't seen a whole lot of him. He hasn't been very impactful in this game. Boston College has has, has struggled a little bit. Uh, probably the biggest news of the week, actually, there's two pretty good stories going on right now. Dwan Hernandez is still awaiting a decision from the NCAA on his appeal. Uh, they were expected to make a decision on the 18th, and that didn't happen. So, of course, yesterday he missed, uh, you know, their game. They expected, like I said, that that decision to come down on the 18th. Yesterday was the 19th. Of course, the NCAA, in 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 typical fashion, if you're not a blue blood, you don't matter. They were unable to to come to a resolution. I mean, let the kid play. I mean, what what's what's the point of holding this kid out at this point? I mean, it is I mean, he's been. As far as I know, they have no proof. They have no proof of any transactions ever taking place. So now you're just ruining the kid's career for something that he may not have done. Okay, there's there's no evidence of any meetings on his end. Okay, there's no there's no evidence of him taking any money. As far as I know, on his end. So what do we got here? We got suspicion. I'm suspicious of a lot. I'm suspicious of the NCAA. Am I suspicious of Duan Hernandez? Absolutely. But I can't prove anything. There's people that are probably suspicious of me for many things. Can't prove anything. Um, let the kid play. You know, the kid in Louisville is still playing. The kid at Mississippi State is still playing. What's going on? You know, what? what is it because Hernandez is probably the biggest name of, of everybody that was named in that, in that document? Absolutely. They're making an example of the Adidas school that was later removed from the FBI report. Okay, Miami is right now the one that got away. Okay, they they have been basically cleared by the FBI of any wrongdoing. Okay, as far as I know, um, their their the accusations levied against them, I believe, were not redacted. I don't know if that's the right the right terminology, but I believe they were cleared of any wrongdoing. Is basically what I'm trying to say. So, at this point, what are we doing? And then in other news, which pisses me off even more, this is a story that I missed. And according to a Virginia Tech blog site called the Tech Lunch Pail blog, um, Landers Nolly and Chris Clark are both done for the season. Neither of them will return. Well, Chris Clark, Chris Clark won't return. Landers Nolly won't make his debut. Um, so Virginia Tech will carry on without them with this eight-man rotation. Um, you know, both will have the ability to redshirt, preserve an additional year of eligibility. So Landers Nolly, if he so chooses, barring any kind of injury or anything like that, um, early early entry into the NBA draft. Okay, he, he should still play for at least three years, um, I think. He, he's an NBA prospect. He's got the size. He's got the, the shooting ability where he could be an early entry. But he can still play four years if, if he needs to. And Chris Clark should still have his, his fifth year of eligibility if he if he, um, if he so chooses to return, which right now it sounds like Virginia Tech is actually welcoming him back 
um, if he if he does choose to choose to come back. So I tweeted the story out this morning. Uh, you can go to my uh, my Twitter handle at Pico thirty six and 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 go down through my history. I just tweeted it out like I said this morning, so you should be able to find it and, and read the whole story from uh, the Tech Lunch Pail blog. So <clears throat> you know that sucks. Obviously, Clark is a big uh, a big factor as far as what Virginia Tech likes to do, and they could certainly use him for depth in the front court, as well as his defensive ability and his ability to play multiple positions, as well as defend multiple positions. And with a club that is already very good on the defensive end this year, he only makes them better. And you know that's a huge loss. You know they've played without him all season. They've played without Nolly all season. They're still a top eight nine team in the country. Imagine what they'd be with. You know, a top 75 kid who's six seven and can shoot that short corner three that the Buzz Williams offense looks for constantly. And, and then another def- defensive dynamo that can really defend all five positions. So, you know, that's unfortunate for, for Buzz Williams, but Virginia Tech's pretty good without those guys. It sucks for the fans to not get to watch these guys play. You know, I don't know what the Chris Clark situation is, but I think that Landers Nolly, this, this is a bullshit situation for this kid to miss his entire freshman year. Um, so that's kind of it for injuries and, and news that I've got this week. I'm sure there's some other stuff going on that, that I was unable to dig up. I'm going to jump right into the games. Kind of an interesting week. Like I said, I did a, I did a podcast when I was sick on Tuesday, you know, 25 minute quick hitter. So I'm going to pick up from Tuesday. There's a couple Tuesday night games, Notre Dame went out of North Carolina and, and kind of slugged it out. Temple Gibbs made his, his, um, his return from illness and ended up going one for nine in this game. He's kind of a non-factor UNC at home off a historic loss. You knew this game, you kind of knew how this game was going to go, but how we got there wasn't quite how we expected, you know, uh, North Carolina's plus 11 on the glass. They didn't really turn the ball over a whole lot. Notre Dame only made three triples in the second half, but they still actually led this game by a point with seven minutes to go. You know, John Mooney is maybe the most underrated player in the entire conference Certainly the most underrated big man in the conference, maybe the country, had another double-double. This was his ninth on the season with 16 points, 19 rebounds for Notre Dame. Nasir Little uh, showed up in the second half, had, I believe, 11 points all in the second half. You know, North Carolina just, they showed that resiliency, and they pulled out a close game. They win 75-69 at home. North Carolina State goes to Wake Forest and drops a game. You know, Wake Forest gets their first win in the ACC at the expense of a shorthanded Wolfpack squad. You know, Markel Johnson did not did not play in this game. Uh, you know, if you, I, I had to watch a little bit of it, but I hate watching Wake Forest. It's just, it's a, it's a tedious process. But they didn't actually luck into this win. Okay, they they only committed 14 fouls. They only committed 11 turnovers. They won the battle on the glass by two, 41 to 39. Um, they had a dozen offensive rebounds. Okay, Jalen Horde with a double double. Brandon Childers 10 points, nine rebounds, four assists, two steals, only three turnovers in 35 minutes, which against NC State is pretty incredible. You know, granted, Markel Johnson kind of makes them go with that press. But, you know, there's some other athletes, Torn Dorn, Devin Daniels, Eric Lockett, some other guys in there can can get up and go, Blake Harris. Um, so, you know, you hold you hold uh, NC State to 6 of 29 from deep, and Markel Johnson doesn't play. It's a recipe for success against them. Now, it's easier said than done. But, again, Wake played probably the best game they've played maybe all season. They they, they led for the final 30 minutes of the game. I think they, they took the lead with 13 minutes to go, something like that, 12 minutes to go in the first half. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't you know, NC State didn't play their best game, but Wake Forest maybe played their best game. 
Uh, also on Tuesday night, Virginia Tech 59 at Virginia 81. You know, biggest game of the week, um, aside from last night. If you look at the box score, Virginia Tech didn't play that poorly, according to the numbers. Only only 10 fouls, 9 turnovers. They only made 7 triples, but they were also 14 for 17 from the line. You know, the problem was Virginia just blitzed them. And they led 44 to 22 at the half. I'm pretty sure I couldn't confirm this because it was uh, password protected. I don't. If anybody knows how to get uh, game breakdowns, like uh, on uh, what is it? Stat, stat. What is? It? I can't remember that site that I use. Uh, stat broadcast. If anybody knows uh, a program that does things similar to Stat Broadcast, where you could break down, you know, per half numbers and visitor numbers and things like that, let me know because I didn't have the password. This this box score is password protected. Um, but I'm pretty sure that Virginia shot over seventy percent in the first half. They shot fifty-eight and a half percent from the game, thirteen of twenty-four from deep. And I said this on Tuesday's podcast. You know, I could see Virginia Tech winning this game, but also wouldn't be surprised if Virginia came. Uh, Virginia Tech, I wouldn't be sh- shocked to see Virginia come out and, and make fifteen threes and win by twenty-five. And that's, that's kind of what happened. Uh, the the teams shot so well that there was only forty-six total rebounds in the entire game. Okay. Virginia kept Kerry Blackshear completely in check. He had four fouls, but he did play 28 minutes. Only scored six points and had one rebound. One rebound in 28 minutes for Kerry Blackshear against Virginia. That's just not going to get it done. If Kerry Blackshear only scores six points and has one rebound, Virginia Tech will never win that game, I don't believe. Now, somebody may go back in a box score and, and, and let me know otherwise, but... Very few times will Virginia Tech come out victorious for that game. Uh, moving on to Wednesday night, Georgia Tech traveled to Clemson, where they have not won since 2005. That trend continues. They lose 72-60. to 60. You know, the ACC BR curse strikes again. Last week in my buy or sell, I bought Georgia Tech's defense, and I sold Clemson as a team. Uh, Clemson comes out, scores 72 points, and Clemson gets the win at home. Georgia Tech looks pretty awful um at times but uh, you know a lot of this game was was officiating and i know as a georgia tech fan you're gonna roll your eyes at that this game was poorly officiated really from the start and that's a problem in little john regardless of who they're playing it seems just i mean you know elijah thomas might as well have had a folding chair down there clearing out space i mean and and just just throwing haymakers and it was ridiculous. I, you know, you you watch James Banks go up for a layup. He gets assaulted, and then uh, some ticky tack bullshit on on the rebound. It, you know, it's it's just the officiating in NCAA right now is beyond atrocious. It's atrocious everywhere, and you know, Jamie Lucky, Mike Eads, Teddy Valentine, um, Carl Hess, all these guys, they all suck. You know, if you know the refs' names, there's there's a good reason for it, and it's it's because they make it about them a lot of the time. And you know, if you know the referees' names, it's because they're not very good. You don't know who the good refs are because a well officiated game is where you don't notice the officials. And this game, you notice the officials. Now, Marquise Reed came out and immediately hit a jump shot from the foul line, and you and he was he was well defended on the shot. And you knew it was his day. I mean, the net didn't move on his first three shots. It was absolutely insane. He had 30 points on the day. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech, had, like I said, has not won in Little John since 2005. In this particular game, David Scarra, Amir Sims, they combined to go 5 for 10 from deep. They made timely shot after timely shot all night long. Scarra mostly in the first half in that short corner. And then Sims made a, a, a crazy kind of catch, turn, shoot from the corner three where he just looked really fluent 
and maybe you know on that on that one particular jump shot you kind of saw all his potential right there and i haven't seen him make a smooth catch um form up and, re- and release like that maybe in his entire career i've seen him look pretty bad but he looked on that one jump shot, you could see just oozing with potential on that one jump shot. And it was at a key moment in the game. Um, Clemson collects their first ACC win. They're now 1-3. and three. They are the only team in the conference that did not play this weekend. So, <clears throat> you know, um, I, I like I said, the ACC BR, it's what it is. It's what I do. That's why I don't bet on college sports very often anymore. Now I did throw down a little wager on a game yesterday that I'm going to tell you about here in a minute. But... Um, you know, it's it, you know Clemson is probably going to win the is probably going to win the conference right now. I think right now they're they're pretty bubblicious. I think they're probably the last ACC team to get in right now. You know, a lot of people are throwing around ten teams. I'm thinking ACC gets eight this year with the way things are going right now. Uh, Wednesday night, one other game: Boston College goes to Louisville. Louisville protects home court, eighty to seventy. Uh, you know, Boston College led this game 28 to 16, and then Louisville just exploded. Jordan Wara with uh, 20, uh, sorry, 32 points, which is a career high, to go with 11 rebounds. I actually think it's 10. I think my notes are incorrect on this one. You know, he's a one man wrecking ball for the Cardinals. It was absolutely crazy. Dwayne Sutton quietly, 14 and 10, another double double, making shots in the short corner, taking the baseline. He's a beast. I think they were the only two in, in, uh, in double figures for the Cardinals. They held Kai Bowman in check, especially in the first half. He was he was bad for the first nine minutes of the game, but Boston College was able to kind of jump out to that lead. Boston College looked really good early with the exception of Bowman. He finishes up six for seventeen on the day. And for 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 half a second, for for eight minutes, you know, I thought Boston College was going to pull this upset. And then Louisville just went ballistic. Uh, I think Malik Williams had eight points and eight rebounds. He's really starting to show why he was a five-star kid, kind of that stretch five coming out of high school. Louisville looks really good, guys. I I cannot believe that I I picked them 12th. And when I did the preview for GT Swarm this week, as I was doing the write-up, they're so incredibly deep. I mean, they've got everything. They've got coaching. They've got size, defense, um, shooters, you know, McMahon, uh, Cunningham, Certainly, Nora Sutton, all these guys are capable of shooting threes. Malik Williams can shoot the three. He's shown that he's um, getting better at going to the hoop on the block with his back to the basket. Certainly, Stephen Enoch averaging you know nine points, five rebounds is is not even the same player that he was at UConn. He's just emerged under whether that be under the tutelage of Chris Mack or possibly even David Padgett last year. You know, Enoch has been you know a diamond in the rough. For, for Louisville these guys are deep they can do it all I think they can play multiple different ways obviously they like to get up and go but they're pretty good in the half court as well so Louisville's a team to walk out for well yeah walk out for you don't walk out you watch out for them speaking of the Cardinals they go to Atlanta yesterday and Saturday's games they beat Georgia Tech 79 to 51 like I said Georgia Tech's without Alston without Alvarado without AD Gay three of their their top six the game was over early, okay? 39 to 8 with four and a half to go in the first half. I didn't even watch the second half. Georgia Tech still has never beaten Louisville since the Cardinals joined the ACC, okay? Tech shoots 6 of 24, 0 for 6 from deep in the first half, turned the ball over 10 times. Louisville only turned the ball over 11 times in the entire game. And I, I, I don't know, there's not a whole lot to say about this game. 
just that Louisville is really good. And when Georgia Tech doesn't have Alvarado on the floor, never mind for the entire game, they're really bad. You know, Michael DeVoe is a very heady player, a good shooter, high basketball IQ, but he's not explosive. You know, he, he's a four-star guy, but he's different than than other four. Like Landers Nolly is also a four-star guy, but Landers Nolly is explosive. You know, he can shoot that short corner three, but he can also take the hole with authority. Uh, Michael DeVoe is, is more steady. You know, and he, he's not going to, I don't think at this point in his career, he's going to take over games like that. Now, there's certainly upside there where he could he could become, who knows what he could become. His, he has unlimited potential, but I don't know if he's got that killer attitude mentality. I haven't, I haven't seen that from him yet. Whereas you look at Louisville, they're full of guys like that. Okay, Malik Williams is looking like he's one of those guys. Jordan or Jordan Moore is definitely one of those guys. He's a like I said, a wrecking ball, a bull in a china shop right now. Dwayne Sutton is just a straight killer. I mean, he's a silent assassin. He's a guy that people don't even talk about. I know that the D Gens love him. I love him. He is he he's unbelievable. And nobody really knows about him, but he's the guy that makes the big plays for Louisville. Uh, Wake Forest goes to Blacksburg yesterday. They lose to VPI 87-71. to You know, this is the one game yesterday that I did not watch a single second of. Uh, so I'm kind of a box score cowboy on this one today. But it was pretty easy to read. You know, Virginia Tech bounces back after this Virginia loss and kind of slaps Wake Forest around. Wake Forest, obviously a team that's not very good on the road, especially in the ACC. I think they're now 4-34 and on the road in the ACC, maybe 4-35. and uh, you know, Tech writes the ship. They shoot 57% from the floor. They make 11 threes. They go 18 of 22 from the line. Five Hokies in double figures, including Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 24.7 rebounds, four assists. Wake has 16 turnovers and eight assists. That ain't going to get it done, especially against the top 10 team on the road in the ACC. Brandon Childress did continue to be awesome offensively, though. And if I was going to watch a Wake Forest game, that would be the only reason. Uh, Jalen Horde doesn't really excite me. The couple games that I've seen him play... He is an NBA prospect. He has that potential. That's that's certainly clear. But he's not a, you know, he's not R.J. Barrett. I mean, I wouldn't even really. You put Nasir Little on Wake Forest, I think he probably puts up better numbers because Danny Manning is just going to let him go do his thing. Probably, I don't know if he's as efficient, but, uh, you know, Jalen, he, he chose poorly. <laughs> okay, let's, let's just say that. You know, the, the old Indiana Jones, uh, what is it, the Last Crusade, when uh, they go into the the room with the the holy grail and the guy drinks from this chalice that's gold and jeweled and 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 he dies and withers away to nothing and the old knight just looks up and said he chose poorly jalen horde chose poorly because i don't think his nba stock has been helped at all by going to wake forest and that's unfortunate because he is a talented kid and from what i can tell he's a good kid and unfortunately now he might be stuck Is, is he stuck in wake forest you think do you does he go pro? I mean, I think you have to go pro because remember uh, remember Chase Buttinger at Arizona. He went to Arizona. He was he was considered an early entry guy. He could have gone straight out of high school, and he goes to Arizona and plays underwhelmingly as a freshman and ends up being a four year player. And then he, you know he's kind of a bit player in the NBA. I mean, he made his money, but probably not as much money as he would have made had he gone straight out of high school. Now Jalen Horde is not. He's not been on display, I guess, as much as you would want. 
from for, for for him for his own marketing for him to market himself and i think attending wake forest and how atrocious they've been you know it's really hurt his his draft stock a little bit it'll be interesting to see i think he's gone i mean 95 percent that he's gone but it'll be interesting to see if he does go where he does get drafted as opposed to where he could have been drafted if he'd gone to i don't know like a kansas or even a, i don't know one of the other acc schools that is you know I don't know. Anywhere other than Wake Forest, basically, at this point. But Brandon Childress, back to him, 28 points. You know, he continues to light up the scoreboard. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that he's really doing is, you know, increasing the number of that record that him and his old man have the most points by a father-son duo in the ACC history. So, 42 fouls in this game was another note that I made. You know, I'm glad I didn't watch this game. Not only would I have to suffer through watching Wake Forest try to play offense and defense, would I got to watch the refs blow the whistle 42 times for fouls. Uh, one game that I did watch, basically the whole, the whole game, was UNC at Miami. UNC gets the win on the road, 85-76. You know, just to break it down, this is weird. This guy's got a this guy on TV is kind of wearing a horn. On his head. But anyway, uh, Cam Johnson, the man, plain and simple, 22.7 rebounds. I stick by my preseason uh, rankings, ranking him ahead of Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, all those guys. Yeah. Virginia fans, whenever you guys are ready to apologize, and, and you know, man, just just a, just a fist pound on Twitter. You got me, at Pcone36 on Twitter. Uh, the other guy that's simply amazing is, is Chris Likes. I mean, if this guy's 6'5", he's a top five pick in the NBA draft. He's absolutely amazing at five foot. I'm going to say five foot six, and I ain't even sure about that. 20 points, six assists, three boards, two steals. He's incredible. And he's, he's not even a spark plug player. He's just a really good player. Uh, it, it, watching him operate and watching him is, is amazing, not only for a player his size, but any player. Um... He's really fun to watch. I can watch Miami play just to watch Chris Likes play basketball, and un- unfortunately, they're 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 short benched. You know, they're, they're trying to get Hernandez back. They dodged a bullet yesterday. That I'm going to talk about here in just a second. But he he's incredible. He's like I said, if he's <laughs> if he's on a winning team and he is six three like Jay Morant, he's an All American. Uh, UNC plus 15 in rebounding in this game. The the bullet that they dodged yesterday was Abuka Zundu was hobbled in the second half in, in a pretty scary moment. They took him away from the bench and they put him in the tunnel. And <clears throat> I think they were working on his knee for a minute. And that has got to be scary for the Canes fans. Unfortunately, you know, it's all good. He, uh, he actually made his return. They do not have any front court depth, which you guys know at this point. Um, you, you know, you just can't ask... And that's a that's a direct correlation with this short bench. You just can't ask these guys to go out there and be Ironmen every game, twice a week in the ACC, going on the road, staying at home. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, this was one of my concerns with Ben Lammers his junior year when he put up really good numbers, and going into his senior year, everybody expected everything from him. Well, his junior season, he averaged like 36, 37 minutes a game, and what happened? He was nicked up his whole senior year. And that's what you're going to see from these guys is as the season progresses, uh, Miami's going to wear down a great deal. And I I think projecting the power rankings that I'm going to release shortly after I get done with this podcast today, it's going to influence that a great deal. I think you're going to see Miami kind of slip away, okay, slowly fade. And 
is too bad because I don't think that they're necessarily worse than a team like Georgia Tech or Pittsburgh. But I think the wins and losses are going to be reflected by how how fresh their legs are as they continue to get into late January and the games in February. And apparently Turkey thought it was a good time to come into the office and lay right beside me and shake his tags. So if you hear that in the background, I apologize. Um, uh, you know, one quick note from yesterday, UNC, five guys in double figures. I thought Kenny Williams played really well and, um, you know, played well in the defensive end as he always does. I think he had 16 points. He hit some timely threes along with Cam Johnson yesterday. So UNC, you know, after that Louisville loss, they come back. They go 2-0 and in the week. Granted, uh, Miami and uh, Notre Dame, not two of the uh, – the tournament teams in the ACC, but hey, they, they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. Uh, NC State goes on the road yesterday up to South Bend and gets the win 77-73 again without Markel Johnson. Uh, they go on the road, they get the win 3-2 and two in the ACC on a day when Braxton Beverly is not effective from deep. It was pretty impressive. Uh, C.J. Bryce shot the lights out yesterday and made big shot after big shot all afternoon. I again watched this, this uh, not again, I also watched this game uh, top to bottom, left to right. Uh, you know, C.J. Bryce, 5 for 5 from deep. There was a point in the second half. Temple Gibbs, who shoots 82% from his career, goes to the line on a two on a, on a two free throws, misses both, they come down, Bryce hits a triple. Five-point swing right there. And that's, I'll get into it in a minute, but one note I want to get to real quick, D.J. Funderburk. Uh, he needs some recognition here. I didn't think much of the kid coming into the season, but he's a big play guy for this Wolfpack squad. Okay, Wyatt Walker is the starter. He gets a lot of the minutes. But when when this Wolfpack team needs a rebound, a block, a momentum-swinging dunk, an alley-oop, something, a big play, he's the guy that gets it done. And in league play, DJ's averaging about 11.2 points, 5.6 rebounds, and, and almost two blocks a game. He's shooting 70% inside the arc. And yesterday... A couple big plays again. Now, he's, he's a little bit foul-prone or else I think he'd be playing a heavier heavier dose of minutes. But right now, off the bench, he's giving these guys all, everything they want. Um, you know, Torn Dorn, Markel Johnson, they're the stars. Uh, but I think Funderburk is not equally as pivotal, but he's very pivotal to the success that these guys have had already and that they're going to have moving forward in the season. Uh, as, far as, as far as Notre Dame goes, they just don't know how to win. And, you know, they had their chances yesterday. I've said it before. Notre Dame plays their best ball when they're down 12, okay? And then they get it to within four, and they fuck it up. And, and that's, a, that's, a, you know, that's a factor of youth, a product of youth. Sorry, not factor, a product of youth. They just don't know how to win at the ACC level yesterday. Now, you saw some things yesterday. You saw John Mooney log his uh, league-leading 10th double-double with 19 points and 16 rebounds. You saw Dane Goodwin tie his career high with 19 yesterday. And that's according to two separate box scores. I actually thought he got over 20. At least that's what they said in the broadcast. But at one point in the game, he scored nine straight points for Notre Dame, single-handedly kept them in it, and then Prentice Hub has some questionable decisions on three straight possessions, a foul that wasn't called by the refs, go figure. Um, you know, and it was costly. He took a bad three, and... You know, Temple Gibbs goes two for five from the floor, seven for nine from the line. You know, again, missed those two pivotal free throws. But Temple Gibbs, two for five, shot five field goals, okay? He goes two for four from deep. So all of his field goals that he made came from behind the arc. You know, it, it was nice to see him go seven for nine from the line. But on the season, he's averaging three free throws a game. 
kid shoots 82%. And he's having a, he's having a, a a bum year. Okay, not not a bum year. Okay, he's having a good a, a fine season. But I, I think we all expected more from him. I know I certainly did. He's become basically a spot-up shooter for Notre Dame. He's not going to the hole. And for a guy that shoots 82% and is that athletic and is that that uh, you know twitchy, I guess, with the ball, you know, he should be getting into the lane. Same with Hub. And Hub's starting to figure that out a little bit. He's also starting to shoot the three a little bit better. But... You know, Notre Dame, they just they need to learn how to win, and they get everybody back next year, including Rex Fluger, who will be back next year. I think they dance next year. I think they're a second weekend team next year. So this year, I'm, you know, I told you guys that I was going to give them till the middle of January before I made a declaration on them, and Notre Dame is is not, you know, they're they're not going to get there. Nate Lashevsky is, I'm not going to say disappointing because he's actually pretty good. He's been. He just he needs some seasoning, okay. Prentice Hub needs some seasoning. Dane Goodwin needs some seasoning. Um, DJ Harvey needs to be more consistent from the outside. You know he makes tough shot after tough shot going to the rack, but if you give him a wide open jumper, eh, maybe. I think he's shooting about thirty percent, maybe even less at this point on the season. Um, meanwhile. You know, Torn Dorn didn't even start yesterday for NC State. You know, scored 13 points off the bench. I think uh, they like him in that role. Devin Daniels is playing a little bit more. And they're deep. Okay, Jericho Helms is like their ninth guy. So as, as soon as Mark L. Johnson gets healthy, you're going you're gonna to see the Wolfpack really start to roll. Uh, moving on to uh, Northern New York, Syracuse host Pitt. Syracuse gets the win, 74-63. I did not watch a lot of this game. I watched a little bit during halftime of the State-Notre Dame game. Uh, Pitt was down early, came back at the half. I think they were down a deuce. You know, Panthers just couldn't make shots. You know, Syracuse kind of sat back in that zone. They blocked 10 shots in the game and, you know, forced Pittsburgh to basically just shoot jumpers all game. Their front line, which is undersized to begin with, in Terrell Brown, Malik Ellison, uh, Kenny Chuck Wuka, who only played two minutes yesterday. Uh, you know, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Audis Tony. Okay, these guys, I think they combined for 16 points, 12 points, something like that. And they only shoot 34% on the day. They turned the ball over 17 times. You know, this game could have been a lot further out of reach had Syracuse made their free throws. They go 12-23 from the stripe. They did make 12 threes, though, which is uh, something new from Syracuse, I guess. So Syracuse packs the zone. You make Pittsburgh shoot free throws. They don't have a big front line. So, you know, basically Syracuse imposed their will in an old Big East rematch. And uh, was able to get a win at home. And they go 2-0 in the week. So currently, uh, Syracuse 4-1 and in the ACC. And I think it's like a five-way tie at the top of the ACC right now. So, you know, the, the, the cream is starting to rise to the top. And meanwhile, some of the bottom is, uh, is starting to fall. Which, speaking of the bottom, Florida State is now only up by 5. 47-42 was 16 and a half minutes to go in the second half. So Boston College, you know, Kai Bowen's been hot all day. So, you know, when he's hot. They're capable of pretty much anything. Uh, moving on to the last of yesterday's games. Obviously the biggest game of the week. Certainly the biggest game of the day. And one of the best games of the day apart from Kentucky and Auburn, which was a fantastic game. If you guys didn't catch that, jump on ESPN and check that out. But, uh, you know, Duke at home, 72. Virginia on the road, 70. Really good game. About what I expected with the exception of the shooting. Okay, these teams combined. Which, you know, Duke can't really shoot anyway. Uh, and now Trey Jones is out. But... <clears throat> Uh, five for 31 from deep is what these two teams combined for. And story of the night was, uh, Barrett and Williamson. Okay. Uh, 
Barrett Williamson made every second half field goal with the exception of one for Duke last night. They go 11 of 14 combined in the second half. And, you know, a quick note, Kyle Guy, three games against Duke in his career. He's now 12 for 30 and averaging just over 11 points. And he's 1 and 2. Now, Kyle Guy is a really good player. But against Duke, he just... I think he he wants to ride. He put he presses a little bit. I think is what it boils down to. And the other thing in this game, you know, the pack line defense, as I understand it, and I may be wrong. It's it's entirely possible. It's happened once or twice before. You know, the pack line defense is basically designed to funnel driving offensive players towards help. Okay, that's why you saw Isaiah Wilkins as a six 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 seven guy get all kinds of help side blocks last year or over the course of his career. And you see a lot of guys freight train into Zach. Uh, Jack Salt's chest and, and and crumble away as he goes straight up. The problem in this game was R.J. Barrett kept being able to drive left. And when he gets to his left, he was finishing at the hoop in, in, in tremendous situations and big situations. He goes six for seven in the second half by himself. And the biggest thing was he wasn't forcing threes. He only attempted a single three in the, in the, in the second half yesterday. So everything that he got, he got going to the hoop. And then he was going to the line for and one situations. Um, you know, Virginia did have a ton of success yesterday feeding the ball to whoever uh, Marcus Bolden was guarding. Um, Coach K switched that up and went to Javin Delorier, but he fouled out. Duke was still able to close out uh, out Virginia in you know another great game against two. I mean, at this point, you got to call them dynasties, the dynasties of the ACC, and I think there's three of them right now. UNC being the other one, obviously they've got the couple of championships. So no one championship, sorry. But uh, you know, February 9th, that's the rematch in Charlottesville. I'll be tuning in again, and I, I think it's going to be very similar, except I think Virginia probably wins at home. <clears throat> so, on the week, uh, road teams. Okay, Charlie wrote about it on ACCBasketballReport.com last week, that road teams, a lot of success in the conference. This week they go 4-9. So these home teams are starting to starting to uh, figure it out, starting to defend their home court, and things are are regressing to the mean, I guess. For ACC player, I'm sorry, ACC Basketball Report Player of the Week, I'm going to go with Tyus Battle, which you guys know, anybody who listens to this podcast on the regular, okay, I've always been a huge Battle fan. He's not a great, um, not a great college basketball player, but I think he's a very good college scorer. And he's in that Richard Hamilton-type mold. And the Orange go 2-0 this week. They get uh, the win at Cameron against Duke in overtime. And they get uh, you know a feisty, I guess would be the best word for him, pit team at home. Uh, in those two games, Battle averages 27 points, 3.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. He played all 85 minutes. That's one thing that I fucking love about this kid. He's on the court all the time. Stays out of foul trouble, okay? And he's at, and I'm not going to say as good in the last five minutes as he is in the first five minutes, but you rarely see him um, without legs. You know what I mean? Well, he hit, you know, he hit the big shot against Duke, right? So uh, he's just, he, his stamina is absolutely incredible. And that's why he's in that Richard, I put him in that Richard Hamilton type mode because Hamilton just, okay, similar to JJ Reddick. What you're going to do is you're going to go out there, you're going to run off screens, and you're just going to run circles. Just run circles, baby. Gonna, that's our half-court offense, okay? Ham, rip, this is what you're going to do. Just go in there and run circles. We'll throw some screens at you. Eventually, you're going to get an open shot. Now, Tyus Battle's got a little bit more breakdown in his game, a little bit more one-on-one ball handle in his game, but his stamina is on Richard Hamilton's level. 
Um, you know, I've got, I've actually got on my notes, kind of cheesy. You know, he's the Rocky Balboa of the ACC. You know, he's made of iron. He's the Iron Man. And, you know, Syracuse isn't that much fun to watch, but Tyus Battle, he's a scorer. I don't know if he's got an NBA future. I don't think he's got that separation, speed, uh, you know, trickeration or, or, or movement in his game. But it's fun to watch him play college basketball. Uh, games that I'm interested in this week. No stock watch, fuck it. I'm tired of being wrong. Um, games to watch this week. Monday, which is tomorrow, obviously. Uh, Virginia Tech at North Carolina. VPI has not won in Chapel Hill since 2007. I expect that trend to probably continue. Uh, UNC favored by 379.76 according to Ken Palm. UNC is number five in tempo. Strangely enough, Virginia Tech is 321st this year, according to Ken Palm. You know, that may shock some people. So this year, what Buzz Williams has has basically done is, first thing he's done, he's recruited exceptionally, and he's loaded that team with perimeter talent. And instead of being an up-and-down-the-floor type scoring team this year, they're simply efficient on offense. Okay, they rank seventh in adjusted offensive efficiency in the country right now, and that's how they're getting it done. You know, you think Virginia Tech, you think up and down, Justin Robinson throwing alley oops to Ahmed Hill and Nikhil Alexander Walker and everybody else. That's not how they're doing it this year. They're doing it in half court sets and they're shooting threes from that short corner. Now, North Carolina's um, defense has certainly been suspect, and there were times in the game yesterday where it looked like Miami might hang around till the end because, especially in the second half yesterday, Miami was getting everything going to the hoop they were scoring at the hoop constantly there was a 10 minute stretch where miami was getting everything they wanted now carolina was also scoring at the other end but they couldn't stop miami and virginia tech is the rich man's miami okay or if you want to put it the other way miami is the poor man's virginia tech and it's going to be a test i think north carolina gets the win at home i think that louisville game shook something loose and uh and and they're going to start rolling a little bit uh the other couple games i got to watch this week thursday north carolina state goes to louisville this is the number 31 team in ken palm in north carolina state versus the number 18 team in louisville uh the cardinals are currently four favored by six 81 to 75 that again that's according to ken palm you know i'm, I'm excited to see torn dorn or devin daniels against jordan or i think it'll probably be dorn you know, I think that's about as good as it gets for a Thursday evening matchup. And hopefully Markel Johnson plays. Because when you see two teams of this caliber play, you know, outside of Blue Bloods, you want to see them at full strength. You want to see them um, with their best players, put their best foot forward. And certainly North Carolina State going to the Yum Center. God, change that name, please. Um, they're going to need to have their full, their full uh, what do you call it? Full roster of players, I guess would be the best way to put that. And Markel Johnson makes that team go. And I, 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 if, if Markel Johnson plays, I'm going to take NC State. If he does not play, I'm going to take Louisville at home. So we'll see how that goes. Saturday, and this is kind of a, this is, a, you know, I, this is kind of how I roll. The battle for the bottom. Uh, Boston College goes to Wake Forest. Wake has one ACC win. And BC is currently 0 4, but looking down at the iPad, they are actually winning 54 50 with 13 50 to go. Kai Bowman's about to score right in somebody's face. Hold on. No, he dribbled it back out. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, Brandon Childress versus Kai Bowman. You want to talk about fireworks. Not a stitch of defense there, but hey, whatever. Um, you know, Jalen Horde has the potential to tune up Nick Popovich. But, uh, you know, Nick is kind of an overachiever. Yep, there it is. There's the triple. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Kai Bowman is absolutely on fire. Oh, no, that was uh, that was Brandon, uh, Jordan Chapman, actually. But, uh, 
yeah, uh, Jalen Horde, Nick Popovich doesn't, you know, it's not a sexy matchup by any means. Ooh, a little infighting at Florida State, pointing fingers here. But uh, Nick Popovich, a little bit of an overachiever, kind of been underappreciated his entire career up to this point. It'll be interesting to see how the blue chip prospect and the underachiever get after each other. Uh, currently, Wake is favored by one, 74 to 73. And, you know, while neither one of these teams obviously be going to the dance this year, I think this game will have some drama, whereas some of the other games, eh, I don't know. So, <clears throat> that that's it for today, folks. Uh, I think that was a pretty good show. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys liked it, but I certainly liked it. I think my sound has been a little bit funky, which is interesting. But, uh, you know, follow me, slapthesign.com for any Notre Dame fans, gtswarm.com for any... <clears throat> Uh, you know, Georgia Tech game previews. I don't do post games because Amusa is such a ball of fire, which last night's game, the Georgia Tech game yesterday, was the first Georgia Tech game that we've had all season long where I did not lose any followers before the game compared to after the game. I had the same amount of followers. So that was that's a win in my book because I'm usually such a lunatic that people are just like, Jesus, who is this fucking guy? It's just it's, it's the fanhood. It's the fandom. Sorry, 25 years of suffering. That's what that is right there, folks. So, uh, don't forget to go to the website, accbasketballreport.com. Check out Charlie's uh, uh, predictions and picks against the spread. I am doing, I, I missed one last week. He, he submitted it and he told me, but I was in a NyQuil coma and I didn't get it up. So, you know, that'll happen. You can't get it up when you're in a NyQuil coma. But uh, check out the Rockin' 25 poll, which I had Virginia number one. They prompted lose. ACCBR curse lives on forever. And I'm going to put up the ACCBR power rankings today. I'm going to do all 15 teams instead of the top five. I posted the bottom five yesterday. Uh, Tom Schuster already got number 10, which it was pretty easy. But uh, cool. Check me out there. I am Michael Hunter. This has been the ACC Basketball Report. I'll see you guys next week. Later.